been making many dollars since the last time we met uh since last time we talked uh i'm a i'm an award-winning agent now that's what that's what's happened oh man i gotta say a couple things i gotta say first of all welcome back to uh to to you to our loyal listener to uh (laughs) talking to ryan grove (laughs) ryan grove is gonna be listening to this on four times speed i saw i had a couple of uh suggestions for what we could use for our why we were on hiatus okay number one was going to use your brother eric okay because Eric famously was like a year and a half behind on the podcast, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing was going to be, we were just waiting until Eric was caught up, caught before, up. We, before we released another one. Yep. The second joke was going to be, we were waiting for Apple to do their new update where they would allow like 14 times speed mm-hmm. and then Grove could actually listen. Listen, Ryan, listen. Normal. Ryan Grove, former sponsor of the, of the podcast, good friend of ours. Ryan Rainman Grove. Yeah. This guy loves the spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, also welcome. I don't know if anyone's actually going to listen to this for the first time, but here's here's a reason why they can. We are officially announcing a name change, Ross, to this. And I, I told you this name, and you actually said that's actually really good. Yeah. Well, and people already know because it's. I mean, this they already downloaded. They already right? they already downloaded right. every week. They already think of it this way, obviously. But uh, <laughs> moving forward, and I got to make a couple changes so people can actually search for this. This has not been done yet. We just fly by the seat of our pants around here. I said, "Hey, let's record." You said, "Okay, let's do that." It's kind of the way we do it. We don't have any yeah. new logos built. No, we have, we have don't nothing. Need, don't need it. We have nothing. Right. No. Uh, no. We do have awesome sauce. Awesome sauce and a new name. And the new name of this podcast is the best podcast in Iowa. Well, I think it's a good name. You know, and the thought behind that, of course, Ross was, "Hey, have you uh, heard the best podcast in Iowa?" No, what's that? No, so, it's the best podcast in Iowa. That's so, actually the title of it, and I, I think it plays in perfectly. It does, I don't think it, it plays in perfectly to an idea that I've had for a while that I've shared with you, that I had shared with uh, some other really creative people in my life about the doing a podcast where basically every week or every time we're on, we tell. The greatest story of all time. The the yeah. best yeah, yeah, and the greatest. Right. The, the best story of all time. Yeah. If we're the best podcast in Iowa. So that's what I thought I would I would incorporate that idea into the end of what we're doing here or at some point in every conversation so, I'm so, gonna just slide into, hey, by the way, got the best story you're ever gonna hear. The obvious question that most people should be asking them right now, asking themselves, is how can every week be the best story? Well, that's the tongue in, that's the tongue in cheek part of it. It's like, oh, you mean like our title? Amen. Right, right. It's tongue in cheek of, you know, that guy that says, oh, my God, I got the best story you're ever going to hear. And then he tells you a really good story. And you're like, oh, wow, that's great. But then a week later, he's like, oh, my God, I got the best story you're ever going to hear. And there are so many of these out there. There's so many little stories, fantastic little tales that exist on the planet. And I just thought that uh, this would, it'll be a fun thing for us to do. You and I like to, you're, you're fun just to bounce stuff off. I'm not going to tell you what I'm com- coming in with. Oh, darn it. Some days I imagine you're going to know a lot about the, inf- uh, uh, the subject that we're talking about. And some days I think you'll probably have nothing, know nothing about it. So I didn't want to uh, just take a couple seconds to, to introduce who the heck we are. Because there will be some people, eventually, maybe not on this episode, but eventually that are tuning in, saying, who the hell are these people? 
So these clowns. Not, not that we need to do a grand introduction about it, Ross. But uh, by the way, I'm Mark, and that's Ross. And Hi. Hi. and uh, how would you describe what this is, Ross? Uh, all right. First of all, you should probably start with who you are. Mark grew up in Ames. Um, Correct. I the, grew up the home of Joe Burrow. I that's right. Officially, and his brother Jamie. J- Jamie, who's your buddy? Correct. So, I grew up in Pleasant Hill, a little suburb on the east side of Des Moines. Ames is about thirty miles north of Des Moines. But our lives were very similar growing up. Both of our dads worked for UPS. In some weird ways, your father though was was my father's. Uh, well. Is boss correct? Your, your dad had a position so. over my dad. Yeah. My dad was a driver. In my for UPS. and my dad was kind of like the was coordinator of the drivers. The so way so something like so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I've met your dad, nice fella. But you got to keep in mind, I grew up my whole life hearing about how management at UPS sucked. Yeah, it was a constant revolving door of. Occasionally, my dad would get a manager. He's like, ah, oh, this manager's okay. But then, boom, up the ladder they went. A new manager would come in. Your dad did say nice things about my dad, which was nice. That's good. So That's I mean, good. My, but my dad wasn't there long. And I think my dad probably felt, if I remember from talking to your dad, it was the same uh, same pains and struggles. Because he wasn't there long. And then my yeah. dad bought a hardware store. So come from a, my dad's very independent guy. He's mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, entrepreneurial spirit type of fella. But we, yeah, so we're basically the exact same age. Yep. Grew up with a lot of the same interests, grew up in different spots, but a lot of the same interests. In fact, we both remembered once we got to know each other that UPS used to have season tickets to the Iowa Cubs. And the season tickets were right behind the plate, like literally behind the plate, first row. And not surprising to many people, those seats would go unused a lot. So my dad would, would take me down to the Iowa Cubs games. Your dad would take you to Iowa Cubs games. So we kind of grew up likely literally in the exact same seats. Yeah, I'm sure that probably, happened. At probably ran point. around a lot. We talk about, I don't think you were there, but the, the game that I was there was the famous Wade Rowden game where he hit four home runs for the I-Cubs, which is basically unheard of in the game of baseball. It's happened a few times. Uh, but I was there that night. And uh, when I throw out names like Pookie Bernstein, you know what I mean? Oh, man, I can go all the way through it. Do you, so know, we, Gary, you know Gary Varsho's kid is, Gary Varsho. the, is, uh, is a major league catcher now? I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that, but I know that name. Dalton Varsho. So this won't be the Iowa Cubs storytelling uh, podcast, but Ross and I have a lot of similarities. <laughs> then I went on to a real estate career and did real estate for about 10 years at Century 21 at Remax and got the itch to start my own thing, which I've started uh, now, which is called Charterhouse Real Estate. And... Two years ago, two plus years ago, after about three years of prodding, three years of convincing Ross that he was built for more than what he was putting out into the world, I finally worked. He finally said, Mark, you know what? I think you might be right, and I'm going to try some real estate too. And since that day, Ross has been killing it. So Ross is one of 16 people over here now. Um, Growing family at Charter House. Our claim to fame is saving sellers a lot of money. Yes, we're going to plug this place from time to time. That's one of the points of doing it. So we saved our sellers. How much, Ross, last year? Do you uh, know the number? How much, was it 1.7? Man, I wish it was. What it was it? 1.1. 1.1. 1. Saved our sellers 1.1 we're gonna get million. To we're going to get to that 1.7 million. I yeah, 1.1 million in commission. We The way we factor that is we compare it to what you would have paid if you paid 6% commission, which we don't charge. We charge less than that. So we saved our sellers $1.1 in commission last year, which we're proud about. Oh, I was thinking 7% commission. That's where the one... No, yeah, 7% is even, even worse. Yeah. But 7% is not the norm. It is really... It is a great thing. It's uh, When we get to closing days, it is so much fun for me to talk to my sellers about what what we just went through. 
and why you know what I did for them is worth twenty four ninety five. That's a that's a really good salary to get paid, or really good uh, uh, wage to be paid for the work that we do for selling a house. I couldn't imagine going to a home, meeting somebody, putting an hour and a half, two hours of work into data entry paying for a photographer to come out there. I mean, you spend a couple of hours working to kill a, to sell a house. You you negotiate with some folks. Especially in this market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's not, not a ton of time. To, to, to charge somebody $11,000 for doing that right now seems yeah. absurd. So I think, yeah, I love, the, I love what we do. I'm a firm believer in it, and it's awesome that we uh, get to save people a bunch of money and... Yeah, but this is the fun. Yeah, this is the <laughs> this is the fun part. This is what, uh, you know, and for those that have listened, they kind of know this is a place for a lot of different stuff. You know, it, it, it's a poopery. I say poopery instead of potpourri because we have poopery in our office. That's how we roll here Mir- at Charterhouse. Miracle, miracle stuff, by the way. You know, if you have not, by the way, we're not, we are not endorsed by poopery, but we should be. If they want to throw in, we got, listen, the pockets are open, poopery. Y- you should not, and this this will, where for, those, for, by the way, where are those poopery dollars going? I have not seen much advertising going on, and that's a product that could definitely benefit from some there are people uh, listening right now that probably have never used poopery. Poopery is so, a and also this is a good intro to what our show is about. Magical little spray. You keep it right by the toilet before you deuce. Turn the poopery loose. That's a good one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So literally, if you've not used poopery before, you 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 know, and sometimes you know as a human because we've done this a lot. We've gone and taken a deuce before. We know if it's going to be a particularly bad one, and by bad yeah. I mean smell. I, I see. I, I don't think I have that foresight. Okay. I, I do sometimes. Okay. And, and all you need, two, three sprays of this stuff directly onto the toilet yep. water. Yep. It creates a magical film. It's in, So the only thing I can compare it to is we've all seen that hydro dipping stuff. Yeah. You know, and they, they, like it, they dip it down and the film kind of encapsulates the yeah. guitar or the helmet or whatever they're that doing. That stuff is perplexing. That is I've watched so videos. Cool. I'm like, how do they get it on there straight? It's I don't get so it. so cool, isn't it? Yeah, I don't and get then, it at all. And to me, that, that, this is what the poopery does. So your poops drop below the surface of the water and the smell is never to be seen again or smell, smelled it, again. And, and it smells like fact, fruity pebbles. It smells like fruity pebbles or fruit loops. Um, or something. So now, and and this is a, a big time trade off that I'm happy with. Now, when we go into our bathroom here at Charter House, it smells like that, which tells you that someone's been back there pooping, but it's a much more pleasant smell. So we are fully endorsing poopery if you have not grabbed a bottle of it. So that's kind of what this show is about. We're going to give you hot takes on our bowel movements. Um, we're also going to give you, I jotted down a few notes of things we do here at Ross. Reviews. Right, okay. We do a lot of reviews of Re- things that we've watched, tried, watched, yeah. big in the documentaries, both of us. In yeah. fact, we could probably talk about one today. I got one ready to go. If I, 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 you said that and I thought of that. The next one I had on here, which we just had, the next oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, so the person that sits closest to the bathroom <laughs> just pointed out that sometimes poop floats. Yeah, but does it float on top of the poopery water? Here's, the, the what I still, here's what I still think happens, though. I feel like the hydro dip thing still happens. It still goes down and kind of gets the, the film goes over the top of it. Okay. I, I, I'll trust the person who sits closest to the bathroom to know the effectiveness of the poopery. Okay. So, Katie, who will be on here eventually, uh, is we're literally in a glass box right now, Ross. We're, glass we're broadcasting box from of a, emotions. Yes. And next door in her glass box is, is KK or Katie. And she faces the bathroom door. As she looks from her, from her uh, desk straight forward, Nate's, like right now she's gonna see Nate Nate's walking going into to poop. it. Nate's going to poop. Everybody. Nate's about Nate from Charterhouse is just walking into the bathroom as we speak, uh, but he left the door open, so I don't think he's gonna be doing anything in there. 
Um, so right now, as we speak, KK has got a, a, a pad out and a marker, and she's writing a note that yeah. she's about to show. Sorry, she's going to put it up against the glass case of emotions. Uh, oh, she's asking oh. if we ever have floaters. This is this is a good thing. Of course, floaters happen, but do they happen with poopery? I kind of thought it kind of kept Why? it underneath. Listen, they absolutely the lid, so to speak, yeah. of of the chemical that's in the toilet. Yeah, and I I, th- I know so little about this. Yeah. I know I know. I know a little bit about a lot of things. I know nothing about what I'm about to say. Okay. But I thought I heard one time. Because, yeah, you do get, you get the sinkers, you get the floaters. There are all sorts of different masses. That that a healthier poo is a floater. Hmm. I'm not very healthy. I have no idea. And I don't don't even know what the, what what chemically happens or what the, you know, the physics are behind the difference of a floater and a sinker. I just know that sometimes it's, one, sometimes it's the other, and it's I don't care to... Are you a color checker when no, you go? I don't... Listen, no. I, I try to get in and out of there as fast as I can. Yeah. I really do. My color uh, will fluctuate. It's, I, and I it's wanna, obviously I wanna, I wanna, dye related. I, I, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I like blue slushies. I feel like we talk too Do you ever eat a blue raspberry slushie? This is, I, I'm all, I don't want to listen to this podcast anymore. This right. is no longer the best podcast in Iowa. It's now the grossest. Okay, fine. We're moving on. Did you change the name again? Moving on. Oh, next thing on my list. Funny stories. Occasionally, we've got one of those. In fact, when you talked about one of the best stories ever, or you're going to have that every week, apparently, so God bless you for that, um, I thought of one that I thought was one of the best stories ever, which I'll talk about here in just a second. Um, Here's my hokey one. Ready? Inspiration. We hope to, from time to time, inspire people. Occasionally, we come with some nuggets of truth. I think there's a lot of people out there, Ross, a lot, that hate what they do for a living, uh, aren't particularly happy with their life. Um, and, and you know, frankly, God bless those people. I'm happy that they're that way because they like to listen to this stuff a for, a little people, bit, for a little bit of a break from life. Yeah, yeah, everybody needs it. Every, every, every single person has something that uh, yeah, you're getting... So from need, time need to time, distraction from. if we've got something good to say, yeah, you know, we're going to do that. And then the last thing I had on my list was unpredictable, which... <laughs> Mm-hmm. We've already experienced that today. Ross and I don't sit down before and say, what do we want to talk about today? And we're like, uh, poopery. Look, check the poopery conversation off. Yeah. So uh, back to the story. I, I, wanna... took, I, I have copious, copious notes for my best story ever this week. You do have a lot written down. There. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm telling you, this story. Which is the first time we've done a lot of these episodes. This is I've... the first time I've ever seen you come with. A, you have a full page. So I'm, I'm I okay off the top of my head. Let me think about this. Let's say there's 250 shows in a year. Maybe I'm a part of 200 shows a year. That means I've been a part of to t- let's see because I'm basically 20 years of doing daily radio. Yeah. So what would that give me? It'd be uh, 10. It'd be so 200, 5,000, something like that, roughly. I I can count on one hand the number of times I've started a show with this many notes, and I only have this many notes for remark because Man, that's not a teaser. I don't the know story what it is. I'm going to tell you has so many different characters. I needed to have stuff written down so that I could make sure I got to all of it. Yeah, and that I kind of am able to answer any and all questions because when I start to tell you this story, you're going to have a lot of questions. All right. And I want to be able to. Okay, well, we're so definitely. I'm, co- watch, I'm copious I'm, notes. I'm watching. For, oh, the other thing to know about this podcast is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some weeks this might be 30 minutes and some weeks it might be an hour, probably never going to be that much more than an hour because you know, yeah, we got stuff to do. You know, we got stuff to do. Right. Um, 
but there's no exact time. And also release date. We'll try to hit the same release date for uh, per week, but uh, no guarantees either. So go back to my last again, note on my page. We're busy. We're busy. Un- unpredictable. Un- unpredictable. We might have a we might have a closing <laughs> when uh, so if you're like, man, I like uh, I like Thursdays because that's when they release. Uh, probably. I had probably. Uh, I had a closing Monday. I had a closing Tuesday. I'll have two on Friday. Yeah, nobody nobody likes a bragger. Ross. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying we're busy. I'm nobody, just trying to say we're busy. Nobody likes a bragger. Although I'll brag about myself. What did I tell you? What happened to you when you started working? With me, for me, however you want to phrase it. That, that I would be, that this would be a successful venture for me. Yeah, change your life. Yep. And that that has definitely happened. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're welcome. Been a, been a good thing. You're welcome. I'm, I'm crazy busy and I've got, uh, I know I've got clients that uh, are listeners to this and they're probably like, yeah, we know you're busy. You never call us back. We're going to touch with us. Oh, by the way, clients, that reminds me, if you do want to sponsor this, we will take your money. Uh, poopery. The pockets are open, folks. We will, we will definitely take your money. Like this is a, we're not we're not doing this strictly for money, but we'll we'll take your money. Ross and I will be horse for your money. There's no question about it. Um, speaking of horse for money, um, I did not hear it today, nor did you probably, but I think uh, our friend Travis Justice started the live reads oh, about nice. Charter House okay. Real Estate okay. on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Glad to hear that. I thought when you said speaking of horse for money, uh, there's been another big change around the office mm. since last time we spoke. Okay. And that is the next door rub and tug got shut down. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah, we should probably touch on that story. We literally had a shop. So this is how naive I am. When I first started hanging around here a couple years ago, uh, everybody would joke about this massage parlor that was next door being basically a rub and tug shop. And I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, that doesn't really happen. That you guys are kidding. And I will be honest, I always thought you guys were kind of joking with me and that it didn't really happen. Yeah. And then last fall, right about the time we shut down the show, and it did have nothing to do with this. Yeah. There was a raid next door. So when was that? Last fall. October, maybe? Yeah. October, November seems like. We haven't recorded in a long time. Felt yeah. like it had been a long time before that when we shut down yeah production. i think it, i think it was but i mean we but this is this is a major development in the charter house yeah. world and when we say it when we say like a raid no one you know they didn't come swinging through the windows but it was oh, a, it was a, been awesome it was a real thing dude there were christmas vacation many style. many many police cars um we saw at least two uh older asian females uh, be taken away and they were arrested because their mugshots were in the news later there were three of there were three mugshots that were on there but i I think the one of the officers kind of alluded to the fact that one woman wasn't going to be charged because she was actually a, a victim of trafficking. Trafficking, yes. yeah. So they had the deal. they had the crime scene like lab van here, and I said, "There's only one reason that thing is here because there's only so much evidence, and the evidence is it's on the floor in the walls, Ross." So, uh, dude, listen, you, you you take it to a different place than I do. You tell uh, me why else that thing was in there. What were they looking for? Hoffa? Well, I, I mean, don't think I don't know. I, and I don't think they were doing DNA testing in there either. I so they were looking for some proof. I, I imagine they were looking for proof, but I don't think it's what you're alluding to. I here. think the black lights were out. Right? I think that's really gross. And I'm glad to know that they've painted and cleaned up and uh, everything, so, everything looking so good. So they, they get arrested and within... Two days, three days of that, I think they're fully evicted, and they are in there basically doing demo to get rid of the stank that that had been left over. So, if you've ever it's, been to a massage parlor along Interstate 35, just know 
the Ankeny Police Department probably have your license plate on a list somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So after this, being a good citizen, and I've previously told the story that I subscribed to rubmaps.com. <laughs> In fact, I don't think it's rubmaps.com. I think it's rubmaps. So. Oh, ironically, I think it's like rubmaps.ch, which has nothing to do with Charterhouse, but I think it's like a, it's got, it's got one of those type of endings to it. It's not a .com. That must have been too premium of a uh, domain name for them to grab. Um, I went back on there because from time to time I would subscribe. I'd pay my 15 bucks just to see if there were updated reviews next door about what happened there. And there were. And it was interesting because I would send those to my landlord and... Obviously, eventually, this led to a bus, which was great. You were even sending those, if I remember right, to... Yeah, you, the landlord, I guess, was the one that was getting those, but... Yeah. Well, I wanted to make him aware of what was going on next yeah, time. So, so anyway, I went I went back on this, the site, and I left my own review after this happened. And I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but basically, hey, this place got busted and whatever. And there's an admin that has to approve your comments. And I went back on about two hours later. My comment was not on there. But they obviously must have believed me or looked something up to maybe see that people were arrested because on their site, they list all these places where you can get the rub and tug done. And it was and now listed was now as gone. closed. Good. Good. It was listed as closed. Way to go. You did So it. that's me being, you know, Batman, basically. Fist bump, fist was, bump to you. Yeah, yeah um, you're, you're solving crime. You're uh, making Gotham City a better place. So the best story thing, you know, that reminds me of. So I like to put you guys... Um, you know, to the test here. And, and I think you were here for this when we had everybody get up. I made, well, I made everybody get up here at one of our meetings and sit in the hot seat. Literally, that it was, was, it was like a chair. The first, that was like my first official day here. We did that. Okay. And, and that was the day that Vaughn told us that. Yeah, epic. And th- and that's, that's what I was going. Oh, for. dude, this is so great. So I'm going to paraphrase it because it was just funny that day. But I had everybody here get up and sit in a seat and then tell a story about themselves. An and, embarrassing story. It had to be something that you were. Yeah. That yeah. Would make think, you feel anxious or nervous. Yeah. And I asked everybody because when you get in that position, it, even here, I don't know if you would as much because you're on the air every day, et cetera. But one of the things we did, and, and this is something people at home could do which I think is, uh, I love learning about myself. I think that's really interesting. So usually when you get nervous, you feel it somewhere in your body. Some people feel all three. Usually you feel it in your head somewhere. You feel it in your chest or you feel it in your stomach. I think there are some people that get throat. Their throat throat. throat gets kind of heavy. Yeah, or their their heart starts pounding or whatever. So I had everybody get up in front of the group, which had been at that time about 14 other people, something like that. And then... Um, I sprung this on all of you so you didn't have time to prepare and then you had to talk. And the reason for doing this is we have to go in the living rooms with what we do and it's good to be able to build rapport with people quickly and not feel those nerves. I don't want people to feel nerves when they go into a living room at all. I want you guys to be natural. So um, so as a side note, not that you remember specifically what you said, but do you remember feeling anything when you did that? No, no, no Mark. Because yeah. and, and of all the people here, you'd be the one that I would think wouldn't. Yeah, you know, you're a celebrity. I, well, Ross. not a celebrity. I have, uh, I've been through that a lot, man. The, that nerve thing, that being nervous, is something I love. I, it, it's, I'm, I'm addicted to it. The best example of it, Mark, that we did was you had us. You, you brought in a TV one time, a 70 inch television that you were going to give away as a prize. Yeah, I worked at Charterhouse. That stuff happens. It's amazing. So you, you made everybody put together a puzzle. And whoever put together the puzzle the fastest. Now, I will tell you, in that moment, if you wanted to find out what where I felt my nerves, that's a moment where yep. I can say. And now, there are times when I'm going on the air 
it's th- it's two fifty nine or something, or it's three oh one, or the beginning of the show is playing, and I get that same feeling that I had that day. It's like the curtain is going up. You're about to go live. Now's the time. Here we go. And and the you're on the tightrope, man. You there's no going back. Yep. Right. It's a fun feeling of here we go. Mo- have to move forward. It's like the the you know you're on the rocket ship and it's pushing you. Yep. Love it. That feeling is what I get when that feeling is what I got when we did the puzzle deal. And now I won the puzzle. You're thing. good at puzzles. Well, not only am I good at puzzles, Mark, in that moment. That's why it, your wife calls you all quick fingers. It, well, no, that's why she calls me quick. Oh, yeah, it's different. I, I different misheard. Thing. I misheard different thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Got yeah. it. Uh, this is, uh, uh, but that feeling, that nervous feeling, I love it. I like. I'm like, oh man, I knew, I knew when I started to get that feeling when you handed the puzzles out. I was like, oh, I'm gonna kill this. Yeah. I'm gonna kill it because I just am really comfortable when my energy is rolling the this are way. Flowing. Yeah. Yep. And whatever that is, I'm used to focusing my brain in that. So, so yeah, that was a fun day. And but the but the the story day was fun. I can remember most I feel like I can remember most of our stories, but none of them are as epic as Vaughn's. So Vaughn, Tyler Vaughn tells this story and it, it it leads into you don't have to do yours yet. We're saving yours more towards towards the end. Um but I, he's I almost feel Ty, like, I Tyler Vaughn's like an enigma. Tyler doesn't feel like this is the thing. We should have Vaughn come in and tell this story. I know, but, it, you know, Vaughn. <laughs> we'll do that later. But part of how I'm describing Vaughn is why he shouldn't be on this podcast, right? Vaughn is a great guy. Tyler has worked here for four years, so, something like that. And Tyler is one of the most quiet guys you'll ever meet. He's not going to be the one that speaks up in a group out of nowhere. Um, he's such an enigma, right? He doesn't come into the office much because of where he lives. Uh, KK and I joke every day because KK helps track the numbers around here. Every every year, we're kind of like, oh, you know, I thought Tyler maybe would have done a little better this year. And then, like, in the last two months of the year, he just, like, brings in a ton of checks. Kills so, it, yeah. And we're like, oh, man, go. like, he's sandbagging this whole time. <laughs> so so he does well. He's the only one that wears Charterhouse gear every, every day. He's got a Charterhouse bracelet that he wears. So I'm not knocking on the kid at all. And what's even crazier about him is he's really unassuming. He's really quiet. But when it comes time to compete oh, in something, dude, the guy's, a, the guy's got assassin. some hidden talent. He's like he, he doesn't look like he'd be an athlete. But like if you throw out anything, like we play dumb games around here, you know, games where it's like, okay, you got to throw this ball into a bucket. You know, Tyler's going to be good at it. You've got to, uh, hey, we're going bowling. Tyler's good at it. Um, whatever we do, he's one of those guys that's got, got talent for those things. But he's telling this story about how he got arrested for public in talks he was down on court avenue i think and it was halloween and it was just the way it was it was the guy telling it that made the story funny because you never expected it from him but he ends up going to jail that night polk county jail he goes and he's he's dressed as indiana jones because yeah, that's what he was it was halloween at. yeah yeah and that's all well and good but what made the story really funny was when he said the morning came around and he didn't have, he had to wait for a cab, I think. Either a friend or a, a cab had to come get him. So we're picturing Tyler sitting out in front of the Polk County Jail. He's now released. And he had to put back on his Indiana this Jones is why, costume. So We've got to get Vaughn here to tell so the story. He is, because he's sitting there on the curb in front of Polk County Jail, dressed as Indiana Jones, <laughs> waiting for a cab or a friend to come pick him up. There's just and he's telling this story. We're just dying, dude. There's so much to it, man. About like him having to claim his possessions back from the cops. One bull whip. Yeah, he had to get his bull whip from his costume. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. 
What? I don't know. What's the name of Indiana Jones's hat? Does that have a, I don't know. I don't I'd call it an Indiana Jones hat. That's what I would call it. Yeah, one Indiana Jones hat. Yeah. One, uh, one. There's a lot of. One flannel looking jacket. Yeah. Like a newsboy hat is the one with like the flat bill. There's all sorts of names for it. There's, yeah, it's definitely not a newsboy whatever, hat. No. Whatever it's called. Definitely not. Hey, can we try something with you? One of the try anything. You know this. All I, right. Yeah. So this is a mind reading trick. And, and some of the times I like, I just like to share stuff like this. Okay. Okay. All right. So I want people at home to, to play along. Okay. While they're doing this. Okay. Let's do, it. do I need to close and my then, eyes? And then you don't I'm going to close my eyes. You I'm don't need to, you don't, don't need to close care. your eyes. I don't care. I'm going to close my eyes anyway. All right. Here We're we go. We're going to see how close I get though, Ross. Okay. okay. Cause I've already written your answer on this piece of paper in front of me. Oh. Okay. Oh, this is some Swami stuff. It's written in front, but this is something that for those of you listen, go, go try this. Try this on your wife, try it on your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever, whoever you want to try it on. Go ahead and try it, okay? So there's a couple do they, st- do they need to close their eyes? They do not. Okay. All Although right. they could, unless right. you're driving. Don't do that if you're yeah, driving. Yeah. Right? All right. There's a few steps to this, so hang with me, Ross, okay? But I think you can do the math on this. All right. Okay, I need you to think of a number between two and ten. Okay? Okay. And don't tell me anything along the way, okay? Now here's the hard part, okay? I need you to multiply that number by nine. Okay, done. Oh, easy there, big fella. Slow down, okay? Now, okay, so I want you to add the two numbers of your total together. As an example, oh, listen, as an example, if your number happened to be 27, you'd add 2 plus 7, okay? This is, so, but Mark. Go ahead. No, th- this no. Is, you've, it's already dumb. No, it's not, Ross. It is. It's, Ross, this is not, this is this not isn't magic. A, this, this isn't a numbers trick, Ross. This isn't a numbers trick. So, Mark, here, but here's the thing. No, no. You, you can, you can. Rip it apart after you're done. Okay. This is for sure. the people at home. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because now we all have the same number. Okay. You ready? Well, technically, maybe. But no, here, no, but hold on. You absolutely, Ross, everybody don't has the same ruin number. the magic. Jeez. You know, when, you, so went, when you went to Disney World with your kids, were you like, it's not actually Elsa? That's a guy named Barry that's just making a paycheck. He doesn't care about you. But there's this is the thing. Right. I see these things on. Okay. Okay. All okay, right. Okay. Listen. Okay. I've got. Okay. I'll play along. I'm going to close my eyes okay. just to make this more fun. Let's, now, I've let's, got my number. Let's, let's picture, Ross. Let's picture for a minute that people are going to do this with their children. Okay. At home. All okay. Right. Okay. All right. Does that help you? Yeah. Children should not listen to this podcast. All, All right. right. Here you go. Okay, Ross. Now take away five from more, your from your answer. It's more fun with my eyes closed. Okay. Take away five from your answer. I got it. Okay. You got that. Okay. Now you're going to come up with a letter that's equivalent to your number. Okay? Oh, oh, yeah! I told oh. you we're taking a turn here. Oh, I like this. Okay, so here you go. A so if, you're, so if your number, if your number was one, it'd be A. If it's oh, two, it'd well be B. No. If it's C, it'd be oh, three. God, okay. Oh. All right. So come up with the letter Jeez. Okay. that's equivalent with your number. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Now I want you to think of a country in Europe that begins with that letter. <laughs> go ahead. Stick with me. Stick with me. Think of a country in Europe that begins with that letter. <laughs> yep, I got it. Got it. Okay. All right, now think about the second. Think about the second letter. Okay. Think about the second letter in that country's name. Okay. Okay. Now come up with an animal that starts with that. <laughs> you got it. Got it. Okay. Now think of the color of that animal. Okay. Okay. Now go ahead and tell me what you're what you're thinking of in your mind. Uh, I'm thinking of a white emu, <laughs> not a gray elephant. You jerk. <laughs> Did you write down gray elephant? There you go. There you go. Hey, what country did you come up with? Denmark, like everybody else. There you go. So this, Russ, Russ. Now here's here's the here's the topic of discussion. Yeah. I watched something on Penn and Teller the other night. Okay, we ha- I love Penn and Teller. Love Ross, is there ever any magic, Ross? No, Mark. There's not. 
There's not. There's no because because what you're implying, Ross, is that this isn't magic. Yeah. And and how can it be? Of course it's magic. No. Of course it's mind reading, Ross. Nope. Uh, we've talked on the on our podcast about uh, Darren Brown before. Oh yeah. I watched I watched one of him the other day. Which one? It was the stage show one, um, where uh, he has somebody eat glass. Yes, he brings people up on the stage with which him. I'm pretty sure they just make fake edible glass. He the, does the um, he does the uh, he does the newspaper bit. Yep, yep. I took out an ad three weeks ago yep. and blah 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 blah. Yep, let right? people pick words throughout the show and correct. Then they're all, and they all yeah, match. Yeah, they yeah. all match. Right. Well, obviously, anything like that, Ross. There's plausible explanations, right? There are. Yep. Is that the point, though? So, Mark, uh, this is a good conversation, man. That By the way, what we just did with Ross, if you do this with your kids, now, first of all, you can't go too young because no kid is going to come up with Denmark. Yeah. Or they're going to screw the math up. Right. Right? But a bit older, they're going to say, what in the heck? Because their brains don't work like yours do quite yet, yeah, Ross. Well, and I, so I've watched so many of these things online, uh, Mark, where – it's the same sort of thing. You know, it's a, it's some guy in a coffee shop and he's got his earbuds into his iMac and he's holding up flashcards that say, you know, do this, then do this, and then pick this, and then pick this. And then, you know, I bet you, and he holds up. And, and math is not hard. The math so, part usually always works out exactly the same. It's right? so cheesy and yeah. so dumb. And I see so many internet things like this. Now, you just, could do the same trick without any of the math. Do you want it? Oh to? yeah, absolutely. Yep. There, you know? I mean, and there are a lot of different variations of that same sort of thing there. Yeah. Darren Brown does a good job of doing those things and then explaining what he did because some of the stuff he does will blow your mind. Yeah. You'll go, whoa, wait a minute. This guy's got something about him and he is very open and honest about, no, no, no. I just tricked you. I'm, I'm, it's called a magic trick. Part of it's what he a, does is uh, that makes him effective is charisma in doing it. Absolutely. Well, that's a big part of any presentation's a big part of anything, Mark. When yeah. you, it, it, when you and I were in Las Vegas and there was a guy on the street doing magic. Yeah. Everything around him is is designed is on purpose. The table is at a certain height for a reason. The tablecloth hangs off the the table yeah. a certain length for a reason. The people that are standing around are standing a certain distance and applauding a certain way at certain times, and everything is is planned out. It's all about that presentation. And some of it, by the way, is designed to trick you, just like this. Sure. It's designed to make you think it's that it's not that difficult ragtag. to trick the eye. It's not at all. Yeah. Not. The hand is faster than the eye, that sort of thing. Right. One of the things Darren Brown does in that special that I'm talking about is he has um, he tries to take, or he does, he succeeds. He takes a coin out of a guy's hand five times in a row. Do you remember that one? Yep. And he says there's five different ways to do it. And and as he's telling him, the guy knows he's trying to take the coin from him. But he says, oh, one of the ways distractions. And he distracts him and he grabs it. One is uh, while he's talking, like he makes the guy think that, okay, I'm prepping up to take the coin. But in the middle of his sentence, he just slowly reaches out and grabs it and all these things. But it's uh, Darren Brown's fascinating. He's done some stuff uh, that's hokier than others. He yeah, did the one yeah. with the, he did the Russian roulette one. I'm trying to that one. So I'm trying to pull up the list of them right now. The one so he's can, most famous for that we have talked about uh, was the push. Yes, I I rewatched that probably two weeks ago. Ross Russian roulette was the uh, was actually one of the things. Yeah, that, uh, and now you know had. Darren Brown is never going to get shot and killed, right? So you know it's a trick, right? It's the same thing with what's the trick when, um, you know, you have six bags on a table 
and he hovers his hand over one and slams it down and only one has a knife and the other five don't. How does he know that one doesn't have? Well, obviously there's a trick to that. But even knowing that, even knowing there's a trick, it still makes it, it interesting is. to so, watch. Yeah, the, he's had so many of them, and I'm going through the heist was one that was uh, that, that I've seen that was a good one. Uh, the push is the one that you're talking about where he gets a stranger to basically push another stranger off the top of a building. Within um, a couple hours, he tries to get someone to essentially murder somebody else. And the, the and the premise is, would you do it to cave to pressure? And uh, a few people do man, it. I wish I could find any. I'm, I'm looking for the stage show that you and I both seen. But yeah, anything you can find with Darren Brown. He, he's a fascinating dude. I think man. it's D-E-R-E-N. D-E-R-R-E-N. Oh, two yeah, R's. D-E-R-R-E-N Brown. He's a magician. One of the cool things I saw him do was uh, he competed with uh, seven of the greatest chess masters on the planet. He competed with like three master level chess players, three of the greatest like amateur players on the planet, and then a, a seventh person that was also like a U.S. champion or something. Yep. And he plays all seven of them in one room at one time and wins two or three of the matches. Okay. But how he does it is brilliant because he basically, he, he puts all the men in a circle, all the players in a circle with their backs to each other. And then he walks around the outside and plays one play at a time with each player as they move around. Mm-hmm. Well, what he, what he does is he has, uh, if you're a master player, if I'm Darren Brown, he has you go first on the, on, on the board. Okay. Well, when he gets around to the person that has their back to you, he goes first and okay. uses your move. Makes sense. So essentially he plays the two chess masters against each, each other. other. And then for the seventh one, he just uses the moves from one particular board and tries to figure it out yeah. and tries to win. So it's really, when you when you watch it play out, you're like, how is this guy doing this? And then he explains it like, well, I just tricked you. I, I, have, just- I have not seen that one, but I definitely will. One that, you, that, I, that I turned you on to or tried to and you uh, said you liked it is actually on Hulu. And that's another one called um, In and of Itself. I have told so many people. Which is a weird this. title. It's a title I can never remember. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to remember and it's hard to. I fact, hard to explain. I, I'm, I only find it by Googling the Rulatista, is yeah. how I find that. Yeah, In and of Itself is essentially just a, it's a documentary, but it's of a stage it's, show in New York City. And I told Ross, I said, just give it a chance. I said, get in a quiet room. I've and told just people to the this same thing, Mark. I've said this. You have. You can't to watch, watch it distracted, and you can't describe it. It is. A, it's a documentary. It's a. It's a stage show. It's a magic show. It's a motivational speech. It's a TED talk. It's. Yeah, it's, it's emotion, all of these it's things. Emotional. It's emotional. It is very emotional. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. That. That one is. Everybody should take the time. You're right. Maybe even by yourself. Yeah. To sit down and watch that one because it's not something you want to be distracted on and it's not something you want somebody else's input yeah. to affect this is, you. This is stupid. You, you need to watch it. Yeah, you need to watch it for yourself and kind of come to your own conclusions. Yeah. In and of itself is a great one. Yep. And that's I think you can probably find it other places, but it's yeah. main, mainly on Hulu, I think. So the documentary that when you said you know, first yeah. thing we're we're going to review is yeah. you and I both have seen a documentary recently on yep. Netflix. Yeah. The Tinder Swindler. Yeah, what a title. Uh, that was, um, dude, man, the tender swindler. Yeah. As he walks into our office, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> our guy must like to walk in or beyond tender just walked in. Um, so frustrating, frustrating. The, the end is frustrating. The documentary I think was, was good. You kind of knew where it was headed. 
Um, you know, what's amazing to me is when they have, obviously they use recreations with a lot of this stuff, but when they've got the old text messages still around, et cetera, you can kind of, it just makes it, makes it easier to follow and all of that. It's, it's a like, really well done documentary. I mean, it's all stuff that has happened in the last couple of years. So they've got great audio, great, like you said, the technology is readily available for them to screen grab yeah. actual text messages. You get to, I mean, it's an, it's a really well done. It's not a docu-series, so no. it's one documentary. And I will tell you, man, it's one of those documentaries, Mark, that with about 15 minutes left, I was I got confused because I thought there's no way this thing is going to wrap up yeah. in 15 minutes. Yeah. And I thought for sure I'd been tricked and it was going to be like a multi-part series. Sometimes they, they do, do that and, and they, it just kind of like they fade to black and then they come up with they graphics. Don't with the, the this, graphics, you know, yeah. and say like, well, this is what happened and then this and then this. Yeah, I've, I've really, it's, it's a really good one. I like that. And now... Uh, the other one that I, I just watched last night, I started to watch one that is a docuseries on Showtime. It's the Cosby one. Okay. Have you watched it no. yet? Dude. No. Is it about the trial or about? Yeah, just about, the first episode was just about him, about, okay. you know, what the impact that that guy had. And, you know, to hear it from some black voices was really powerful about who, who Bill Cosby was to you and I growing up, you know, white kids growing up in sure. central Iowa. He was, a, he was our father figure. He was very different. And and, yeah. and, and Mark, to, to inner city black kids, he, to a lot of these guys that they talked to in this documentary, he very much was a father figure and a role model and yeah. helped establish a huge part of the culture. And But boy, you find out pretty early on in this documentary, Bill Cosby is a piece of human debris, dude. He's a bad, bad great, guy. Great at hiding it, obviously. But here's, like, my mind always goes to the same place. I'm a, I'm a, I want to understand guy. A lot of times I want to understand. So what Bill Cosby did was obviously terrible, but my ultimate question is why? And I say why, because probably 90% of the women that he slept with now drugged and raped, right? But he had sex with he probably could have had sex with them without doing that to them based on fame based on everything else. Or he could have had other women, you know, famous people can get laid. That's just the truth of it. So the question is, why did he do that? And obviously it's probably, it's a power thing. It's a whatever, but something happened in him, in his life, his, his great life, right? A fame and fortune to make him go down that path. That's the story that I find really interesting. What turned him, what made him do those things when obviously he didn't have to do them, but there's always more to the story and I'm always interested in it's, it's no different than why, why is a serial killer, a serial killer? What happened to them in their life to make them so different from a regular person? And I don't know the documentary's probably not going to answer any of these questions. And it, just, so it, it, they don't answer those questions, Mark, but they do get into exactly what you're talking about. Like, um, what is it, uh, you know, that I think one of the ladies at the end of it, and I don't even think she's one of the victims. I believe that she's just like a professor uh, and she's a black lady that's talking about several different people come on and talk about his impact in their life and how, when they first heard these stories, they thought, first of all, it was all white women that were accusing him and that this was kind of an Emmett Till type of situation where they were just trying to take down a powerful, powerful black man. And then they found out that no, these were, there were actually a lot of black women that were involved in these allegations and, and, yeah. and, and, Yep. Yeah. Stuff. So anyway, it's uh, it's so good. But one of the ladies talks about the fact that you, a guy like Bill Cosby, probably could have put out into his circles, "Hey, this is how I get my kink. 
I, I like to have an un, I like to have women that are unconscious, and then I do it. And you, you, he, she points out that in Hollywood, you probably could have found somebody that was willing to do that, or multiple women who would have said, "Hey, I, I, you know, there's a sex, there's a sex industry out there, and you probably could have done this without drugging and raping." Innocent women who had are completely unwilling. The stories of what he did, dude, are just by, gross by the way. Whenever people think, I'm sure people listen to this and go, "No, he would not have been able to find anybody." I'm like, "Oh, oh, uh, listen, I'm oh, not, you want to bet? I'm Do you remember the saying, story? Do you remember the story of that uh, German man that put out put out a an ad asking to be murdered and eaten? That was a real story. I, yes, that but, that actually happened. Listen, I'm not I, I'm not making this up. I'm telling you to watch the Showtime. I'm, this isn't coming from Ross yeah. Peterson or Mark Charter. This is coming from a lady on this documentary who says she thinks that that and, yeah. I, and, and I yeah maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But the point of it is to and your point is this was something that it was completely unnecessary for for a guy of his stature yeah. it's unnecessary for anybody obviously but i mean for for a guy like bill cosby it's so weird and it's such a horrible thing like the the comedian godfrey you know who he is right he's been on a lot of stuff he talks about he has this really poignant thing about bill cosby was so close to wrapping up this perfect book mm-hmm. he was so close to just walking away and going i did it yeah. look i was i i was such an awesome influence to my people, my culture, my nation. Yeah. I mean, Bill Cosby, like you said, man, he was all of our father figures as Dr. Huxtable. And the, the Fat Albert and the gang, hey, 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 yeah, right. Hey, hey, hey. Such an iconic part. And then he even for a long time tried to, and this it comes back to biting big time in the documentary, he railed against parts of black culture mm. that he thought were holding back uh, the progression of, of of black culture, you know, quit sagging your pants, quit talking like, you know, yeah. when Wanda Sykes goes to interview him at the Grammys and says something about, hey, Bill, you know, when you were doing TV shows, everything was scripted, right? And he says to her, yes, and we spoke English. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, you're a dick. Yeah. He, I, and this it starts off with a couple of stories that will just, I mean, they they set the tone right away in this documentary. That is not what we thought. That. He was known for doing this thing where he would call young black comics and chastise them hmm. and say, listen, you got to stop doing this act. You got to stop acting this way. You got to stop cussing on stage. Apparently he did it to Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy even talks about it in one of wow. his specials, which I didn't remember, but they play it. Yeah. So yeah, just a, and uh, the rapes are obviously the, the worst of all of it because there are like 60 women that have come forward now. Yeah. And they and they like think there's thing for they think there's a lot more. Oh, there usually always is a lot of people that don't want to come forward. So anyway, those are the two I would say: the, the Tinder swindler and the Cosby thing. The, the last one I want to throw out there, just in case anyone. And then wants. we're going to get to the greatest story okay. ever. Just in case anybody wants to feel the most frustrated they've ever felt while watching a documentary, um, the one to do that is abducted in plain sight. Yeah, crazy. That's on Netflix, I think. It's it's on a lot of yeah. You can find it about anywhere. Abducted it's been in out plain sight. We don't years. we don't even need to say anything about it. Just go it, check it, them out. It's interesting, but if you want to just want to stand up and kick your TV screen, then that's the one that'll do it to you. Mark, yeah. you won't have a lot of faith in humanity after, are after you, watching that one. Are you ready to hear the best story you've ever heard? Is it as good as my magic trick? What do you know about the 1904 Olympics? Well, my dad bought me tickets to that. Stop. 
1904 Olympics. Nin- wait, 1904 Olympics. Okay, so is there anything that that jumps out at you when I say 1904 St. Louis Olympics? Um, no. Okay, so we got no, go. we got, I, no nothing immediately. Right. Jumps I'm glad out. to hear that because okay. I, I am going to tell you the best story you've ever heard. Okay, I'm ready. Um, and I will, and I I heard this story a few years ago on a on a road trip up to Canada. Okay. to go fishing. We happened in that particular year to break our, our boat broke down about 30 miles from camp and we had to get towed back to our camp, which took like four hours. Yeah. I was going to say that's going to take a while. huge. It took like four hours. Okay. My friends and I were able to recount that this story is so compelling. You will, you will, you will be searching this up when we're done and you will find out all of this stuff is real. Do you want it crazy? You sure you want to set the bar this high Ross? The 1904 St. Louis Olympics can't be told unless we go back a long ways. So in 1804, we get the Louisiana Purchase, and uh, and and we we expand the Western. Hell of a right. bargain, by the Hell way. Hell of a bargain we, we landed yeah. there. So the Chicago World's Fair ends up happening around 1903, 1904. Okay. Chicago wants to have the Olympics. St. Louis says, hey, wait a minute, we're going to do this great big 100-year celebration for the Western expansion thing. We should be hosting the Olympics too. So they they kind of like steal some of the events from what was supposed to be the Chicago World's Fair Olympics huge okay. sh- huge shindig, right? Yep. So some countries didn't like that. A lot of countries didn't even compete. Only 14 countries actually sent people to the Olympics. But the games are low-lighted by what was supposed to be the pinnacle event of the 1904 Olympics, and that was the marathon. Hmm. So, I mean, because nothing, Ross, is more exciting than watching a human run 26.2 miles. Well, nothing. Mark, you got to remember what the games were at that time for, for the Olympic Games. Okay? Apparently and, terrible. And, and, and in again, they had split a lot of the games, so St. Louis didn't have a lot of them. But the Olympics are were, even at that time, a huge event. Now, there, this is the, 1904 is only the third running of the modern day Olympics, what we consider. The okay. first one, they started back up in 1896 in Athens, Greece. Remember, because we had the 100-year celebration. They were clothed in this version of, right? Paris, yeah, yeah. They're clothed in 1896. Okay, got it. 1900, they run in Paris. Okay. And then 1904, they're in St. Louis. Now, okay. in 1900 and in 1896, they actually had, they ran on paved surfaces. They ran mostly on a track. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in 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 stadiums, 1904, St. Louis decided they were going to do things a little bit different. They had them run four laps around the track. So your first mile was in a track. Okay. Then you would exit the stadium and run the next 25 or 24 miles, rather, around a St. Louis loop, come back into the stadium and finish. Okay. Okay. So in a normal race, in a normal marathon, um, about... 75 to 80% of the people are going to finish. In an Olympic marathon, usually all of the runners finish because we're talking about the best so. yeah. of the best. Okay. In the history of Olympics, there have been 1,421 runners that have completed a marathon, that okay. have, that have a, 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 a recorded time. Okay. 1,421. If you were to put all of those 1,421 times on a chart, the winner of the 1904 marathon would rank 1,398th. Okay. The winner, only 
13 of the 41 competitors actually finished this race. 34% wow. of, the, of the field finished the race. Again, the best runners on the planet. Now, we're going to get to who some of these runners were because each one of their stories individually is just This is St. Louis, by the way. This is St. Louis probably in the summertime. This is St. You're nailing it. St. Louis okay. in July. Yeah, so it could be over 100 degrees. It was, Mark. It's okay. 100 degrees. In fact, they say that it was up to 105 degrees because we're talking mm -hmm. about 1904. So some of these stories okay. are hard to source and they're hard yep. to find out exactly what it was, but they say it was over 100 degrees, maybe 105 degrees. Yep. So one of the things you need to know about is the that... In 1904, they're still trying to figure out the science of athletics, okay? There's no Gatorade. There's nope. no... So, th this, as we go along here, there's going to be a couple things that seem odd for modern-day Olympics, especially modern-day marathons, yeah. but your coaches were essentially allowed to assist you along the route. Huh. So, kind of like a bike race, your, your coaches could ride in a car alongside of you and administer aid to you. In fact, at times even get out and help you along, which comes into play wow. a little bit later. So I just want you to start to pick some, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a couple of names and you tell me which one of these characters you'd like me to start with. We've got John Lorden. He was the 1903 Boston marathon winner. Okay. We've got William Garcia. He was one of the favorites going into the race. We've got Leighton Tanyani and John Masciani. Felix Carbajal, Fred Lorenz, Thomas Hicks. Let, let's just start, actually. I'm, I'm going to do this for you. Let's start with the first one, John Lord. He's the 1903 Boston Marathon winner. He's proven. He's proven. This yeah. is a guy that has gone out, and he's going to be one of the favorites going into the race. He quits after two blocks. What? He finishes the first mile inside uh. the stadium. <laughs> gets outside of the stadium and gets two blocks where he's vomiting profusely and he has to quit the race. And that should have been a sign of things to come for what all the of heck? the other competitors. He's Dude, probably out drinking the night before heavily. It, Mark, or, it was, or it's the massive heat or it's one of the many conditions that I'm about to lay out for you. For what is, <laughs> I'm not kidding you, dude. When you look this thing up, this is the worst Olympic event to ever happen. Okay. This almost ended competitive marathons. <laughs> That's how bad this race gets to be, dude. This is the equivalent of Elizabethtown. It almost sent people back to bare feet. Yes, it did. It did. The shoe is so bad, it almost put people back in bare feet. Some of these characters I'm going to tell you about, Mark, ran this marathon in bare feet. So I'm picturing hot pavement or gravel roads or whatever they would have had in St. Louis in 1904. So it's actually dirt roads. Okay. Remember I mentioned in Athens and in Paris, they had gone out and run in paved roads and on, yeah. on concrete and on tracks, not concrete, but this is, they're, they're running in dirt roads that are so thick with soft dirt that as those cars that are driven by the coaches are driving alongside of the uh, runners, it's kicking up massive clouds of dust, okay. <laughs> which causes William Garcia, another American and another favorite going into this race to, as he's inhaling so much dust, Mm-hmm. The sand is literally sandblasting the inside of his esophagus. Oh, God. He's found after at the 19 mile mark, they find him coughing blood. He's almost the first Olympic death, Mark. He almost died from he's being blinded by the by the dust. He's being choked by the dust. And now it's coating the inside of his lungs and for, his for stomach. 19 miles. For 19 miles, this. they find this guy and he's and he almost dies. So 
at one point in the in the race, at the 13-mile mark, there is a water station. They have one water station. Again, we're talking about... So 1904, water has been invented. Water's invented. I just want to clarify. And they are, but again, I, I keep teasing a lot of things in the story because mm-hmm. there's so much to it. There is a reason that there's, there's, one, there's only one, one water station. And it's at the 13-mile mark. Oh, my God. And Mark, think about this. It's well water. <laughs> so you've got competitors from all over the world yeah. coming and competing. Their stomachs are not used to the bugs and yeah. the parasites that are in that well water. I, so I, I feel some dysentery. So it's come causing on. dysentery. <laughs> so some of the runners are shitting themselves. Once you do oh. get to the water, oh. the water's getting you sick. <laughs> uh, but it feels good but on there's the dust a, in your lungs. But there's a there's a reason for that. We're going to get to it. All right. So we've told you about John Lorden. He's the guy that quit after two miles. We told you about <laughs> William Garcia. You they said two him. blocks. You didn't even say two miles. No, two two blocks. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, because okay. he got the first mile under his belt and then two blocks. William yep. Garcia is the guy who has sandblasted his own stomach. Okay. And he's dying out there. He's almost the first Olympic And guy. he's got dysentery because he made it to <laughs> right, mile 19. Right. right. I'm going to introduce you now to two guys that should be in history books. They are in history books, quite frankly. Lenten Tanyani and John Masciani. Okay. Now, these are the first in a sport that we now associate with uh, with African athletes. Sure. Um, these were the first two Afri- from the continent of Africa. These were the first two Olympic athletes. Okay. Lenten Tanyani and John Masciani. And they did compete in the marathon. Okay. Uh, Tanyani actually ended up finishing ninth in this particular race after being chased by rabid dogs for more than a mile off course. <laughs> now, what? Before, before I tell you, this about is how, made up. I'm not. None of this is made up. This no, is made I'm not up. making this up. How is this not a movie? This already? is incredible. You this is do, a movie I would go watch. Mark, you could do. A Ross, movie. we're writing this movie, dude. You could do a movie about seven of these characters. Oh okay? my god! So Linton Tanyani and John Masciani are amazing. <laughs> two two amazing human beings. These guys were. This is in, what I'm about to tell you is more incredible than the fact that he finished ninth after being chased a mile off course by a rabid dog. These two guys were running barefoot, okay? (laughs) They were veterans of the Boer War. Now, the Boer War was essentially South Africa's. It's one of their fights for freedom against the uh, uh, English uh, uh, um, uh, parliament or apartheid, I guess is what you... So these gentlemen were veterans of the Boer War. Listen to why they were in St. Louis. This is insane. Okay. They were in St. Louis for that 100-year expedition of the Western Expansion to do a reenactment of the Boer War. <laughs> they brought in veterans of the actual war okay. from both sides and had them do reenactments of the battle that they had fought previously. Wait, so they weren't even there for the Olympics? They weren't even there for the Olympics. <laughs> they were there. I'm going to tell you about another. What yeah. did they do? A casting call? Mark, like, that's exactly run? what it was. Because they only had so many countries that were participating, oh they were essentially God. asking people to participate in these games. Okay. So that's how you get Linton Tanyani and John Masciani to become the first two African Olympic athletes. They compete in the 1904 St. Louis Marathon, and Tanyani finishes ninth after being chased a mile off the course dog by rabid never, dogs. never caught him, apparently. Maybe the favorite guy of this entire thing is a fellow by the name of Felix Carbajal. You can find he's got a whole bunch of other names that slide in between Felix and Carbajal. This dude 
if you're going to make a movie about one person from this thing, mm-hmm. it's this guy. Okay. This is insane. He's a Cuban mailman, okay? He's not invited by the Cuban Olympic Committee to even go to the to, to go and represent the nation. He's never run a competitive race. He's never run a marathon. But he decides he's going to go compete up here in St. Louis. So, has no money, has no way to get to America. So this guy goes Forrest Gump, Mark. He starts putting on what he calls running expeditions, and he runs 700 miles across the island of Cuba raising money to get enough cash to get to America. He raises the money. He gets on a boat. He gets across the Gulf of Mexico. He lands in New Orleans where he promptly loses every dollar in a craps game. Oh, my, my kind of guy. So now he's still got to get to St. Louis. He's broke. He's penniless. He's 700 miles from St. Louis. Well, guess what? He starts to run. He starts to hitchhike. He gets on ferries. He basically swindles his way all the way up to St. Louis in time to start the marathon. When you see the pictures of this, and I'd encourage anybody to go look this stuff up because it's amazing. You will see a group of these 40 runners getting ready to start a race. And there's one man that's very, very obviously out of place. When you think of a 1904 marathon runner, you probably think of a guy wearing a tank top. There's maybe like a, a stripe or something across the tank top. Yep. He's wearing white shorts. Maybe he's got athletic socks and then maybe some sort of footwear, running shoe, something like yep. that, but nothing fancy. Yep. Not Felix Carbajal, my friend. <laughs> top to bottom. Homie has on a beret. Okay? <laughs> he's wearing a dress shirt. And I mean, it looks like the fluffy shirt from Seinfeld. Oh, uh, the pirate shirt. The pirate shirt. shirt okay? Uh, it's a big, fluffy I don't want to be a pirate. Dress shirt. He has a belt on dress pants. <laughs> Now the dress pants are uh, cut. The dress pants are cut off just below the knee. Oh, where thank you, God! Where you can see under his dress pants, he's wearing long underwear. Mark, St. <laughs> Louis in the summertime, he's, and one of his maybe fellow, may, no, he's from Cuba though. Maybe this feels uh, cool. One Damn. of his fellow competitors comes to him and says, "Dude, you cannot run in this," and they help him cut off his pants into shorts. But again, they're like. Capri, they're like those capri pants yeah. like below his knee i hate capris by the way that's an aside but go ahead carbajal goes out there and again you this stuff is if there's one guy to make a movie about for this thing it's felix carbajal so carbajal brought some peaches along to kind of give himself some nourishment as he's running he's eating some peaches and uh he gets uh further down the road and the peaches aren't quite enough for him. He finally gets to the point where he wants to uh, eat some apples. He's running past an apple orchard. Eat some apples. Well, guess what the apples do? They're bad. They give Worms. Him, yep, yep. They Worms. Give him, they give him a bellyache. Okay. According to several sources, Carbajal takes a nap. He wakes up, continues his route. He finished fourth, Mark. The guy that had never do you, wait. Do you do you have times yet on these people? The, the guy that won how, the race. How much of a nap are we talking All about right, here? So Thomas Hicks was the first winner of the race. We're gonna, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Fred Lors was the first winner of the race. We're going to get to Fred Lors in just okay. A the winner of this race ran it in three hours twenty eight minutes fifty three seconds. Just so you know. Okay, that's a long time. Fred Lors is the next one. So so again to, to recap, Felix Carbajal, Cuban mailman, not invited. 
uh, ran in street clothes, had never run a marathon before, had to raise money by running across his country to even get there, lost all that money when he got here, then finagled his way into St. Louis where a competitor helped him not look nearly as ridiculous as he already did. He goes out, runs a race on a dirt road that's killing other competitors, eats bad apples that give him a bellyache, drinks water that gives him dysentery, takes a nap, and finishes fourth. <laughs> I'm telling you, Fred Lors. How, how is this not a movie, dude? Fred Lors. Oh, my God. Was the 1905 Boston Marathon winner. So this is a guy that, again, at the top of his game when the 1904 Olympics co- come around. And Fred Lors was a lot like John Lorden. He gets out there, and he gets about nine miles into this thing, and he decides, this is too much for me. I'm, I'm dying of dehydration. This is stupid. He quits. Now, his his coach is riding along in a car next to him, and so he just decides he's going to hop in the car with his coach and call it a day. He'll ride the rest of the route with his, with his coach and trainer. Um, so they continue up the road, and they're driving for a while, and they get about another nine miles up the road, and the car breaks down. Now, again, 100-degree heat, St. Louis, humid. You're sitting there on the side of the road. You're an Olympic runner. What are you going to do? Run. Might as well get out and run. Run. Right? So he gets out and he starts running again. Now, this is where I'm going to introduce you to Thomas Hicks, because Thomas Hicks was also one of the favorites in this race. And Thomas Hicks was the leader. He got out in front of Lorden. Yeah, my money would have been on Hicks. He got out in front of Lorden. Thomas Hicks is kicking some ass out there, but he's hurting. (laughs) 16 miles in. So he has the water in his belly now, too. Yep. He's he's but and that's here's the other thing. His trainer has actually brought along a couple of things to help his runner get to the finish line. Okay, but Thomas Hicks sounds like an American. Thomas Hicks, Maybe he was used to the water. Thomas Hicks has a trainer by the name of Charles J.P. Lucas. Okay. Now, These are both of, Americans, for yes, sure. A lot of what we know about this race comes from Charles J.P. Lucas because he was Hicks' trainer, and he was a writer, and he wrote about what he was doing during this time with Thomas Hicks. Okay. So he's not giving Hicks water. There's a reason for it I'll get to later. Okay. But what he is giving Hicks is he has a sponge that he's dipping in water that he'll allow Hicks to wipe out the inside of his mouth with. All the dirt. All he'll, the all the Yeah, all the all dirt the sand. and sand. He'll also spray some water on him from time to time to give him a little bit of a refresher. He's also giving him some egg whites. Okay. He's got a bottle of brandy and strychnine. What? Mark, he's giving poison? His, he's giving him rat poison. He's giving his runner rat poison. Now, Charles J.P. Hicks, or, or, or this guy is crazy. This guy is a, is a nut, an absolute idiot. Called himself a doctor, was a doctor, but they were testing. They were using this as a human experiment, Mark. Okay. This is they, a guy by the name of James Edward Sullivan, who, by the way, is in the National Track and Field Hall of Fame, wrote in a book called the 1904 Anthropology, uh, Anthropology Days and Olympic Games. Quote, to test the, one of my more radical ideas, we put one water stop to test how far purposeful dehydration could be taken. Okay. They were using the runners as Getting lab boots. rats in a human experiment okay. to see how far they could take these guys. Now, the strychnine, there's some interesting science behind strychnine because in small doses, strychnine actually, what it does is it makes your muscles kind of seize. So in, in large doses, it, it seizes every muscle and you just die this horrific death. But this doctor thought that in small doses, he could actually increase an athlete's performance by giving it to him. Okay. So he's giving Thomas Hicks brandy, rat poison, egg whites, 
and this dude's dying. Hicks is like fading. Okay. So he's like 20 miles into the race. And all of a sudden here comes Fred Lors, one of his main competitors who he's kicking his ass. And Lors looks like he's only run half the marathon. Why? Cause he had <laughs> he was in the car. He'd been in the car. <laughs> It, it devastates Hicks. Oh, he almost, man. He almost gives up. His doctor convinces, his trainer convinces him to keep going. So he does. Hicks keeps moving forward. He finally gets back to the stadium. As he's running into the stadium, and he knows he's the leader, but at this point, Mark, he's hallucinating. He's drunk from brandy. He's almost dead from the strychnine. And he, as he's running in, he sees... By the way, he's hallucinating so bad, when he has a mile to go, he tells his trainer he has 20 miles left. <laughs> and the trainer's like, no, 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 you got a mile. Keep going, keep going. As he's running into the stadium, they're hanging the gold medal on Fred Lors' neck. Oh. Lors had run into the stadium. Everybody thought he's the winner. So he runs up to the podium, and they're literally putting the gold medal on him as Hicks and his team come in. Now, Lors had told Hicks as he ran past him, hey, I was in the car. I'm just doing this because I want to get back to the stadium. Okay. All right. At least he's being honest. So he, so he was. And he and Lors then says, hey, I was, I was going to tell you guys eventually that I rode in the car. This ends up getting him banned from track and field. They lifted the ban, obviously, just a couple months later. That's how he wins the 1905 Olympics. So, to recap. So, wait, he... He does. 19, he wins the. He does, by Boston he does win it. They, he, actually, they look, actually pronounced him the winner. But they then take the medal off of him and give the medal to Thomas Hicks. Okay. Who's drunk, nearly dead. Okay. Hallucinating, and over the course of his three-hour, twenty-minute, and fifty-three-second marathon, had lost eight pounds. But that's 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 still a pretty good time. He is Skeletor when you look at these pictures. Oh wow! So I told you Hicks was my pony. That's who I. That's who I was betting on. If you want to, when it comes to the marathon, remember this: always back an American. Dude, when it comes to a marathon, everybody knows this. How is this not a movie? Because you wouldn't maybe believe it, is. it. Maybe it's one we've never seen. You wouldn't believe it. What would you? What would you title this? By so the way, here's what I would encourage people to do: there is a YouTube video. There's tons of stuff out there about this 1904 St. Louis marathon. The one that I found the most interesting was by a guy named John Boyce. B O I S. That's J O N. B-O-I-S is his name on YouTube. He does a, 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 a series that are called that are pretty good stories. I think is what it's called, pretty good stories. This one is fantastic. So there you go. There's is, the, that's it, the best story I've ever heard is for there, this week. Is there a, uh, like a group photo of these runners? That, there is. Okay. At the beginning, and then there are individual photos of some of them at the end. What, you're a creative guy. What's the title for this film? You know what it reminds me of? Like just the general story. Have you ever seen uh, Rat Race? With uh, it's got a bunch of actors in it. John. It starts with John Cleese. He's an eccentric millionaire or billionaire, and he invites people up to his suite in Las Vegas and says there's money hidden in Missouri or whatever, and it's a race to go there. And then they're all trying to trying to get there, and then rich people are betting on who's gonna get yeah. there first. It's just comedy, yeah. right? Or it reminds me of a movie. One of my favorites. From way back, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Yep. Kind of the same thing. It's like just this hilarity, nonsense, nothing makes sense, people going all over the place. That would be a hell of a movie, dude. Hell of a movie. But it would have to have comedic moments in it. Like the fact that people are shitting themselves and they're eating rotten apples. Getting chased isn't, by, isn't this crazy? Getting chased by dogs. Grabbing dogs. It's like a mile off course and he finished ninth. 
Oh my god! Yeah, I've never, I've never. Well, you got me in this regard. I've never ever heard anything related to that story before. Okay, and, no, and, never. And it's amazing to think that all of those things. I also think you set the bar too high. So, what do you mean? You got to come up with something like every week. Apparently. Oh, dude, trust me. There's a, there's there's millions of things like this. How did you find? What was your main main source for that particular? story um how did you come across a friend it? of mine introduced told me to watch that the series from that john boyce okay and so i started watching some of those um and that was again that i have a hundred of these that okay. we, that, I, that we could sit here and do and rattle off and and you know we're gonna we'll we'll do these a lot and maybe we'll even do some of them like uh paul harvey-esque where we I tell you the, the story, news. tell you the story and then at the end i tell you who i was talking about or something. i do like that that's uh one of the ones we that you shared with me was how the the band Journey was formed. We'll talk about that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting one. All right. Well, that was the best story Ross has ever heard. The best story he's ever told. And this is the best podcast in Iowa. Sorry for the long break, everybody, but we're back. Well, hopefully, do this every single we're back. week as long as we're not too busy. But thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.